0: Welcome back. It's Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. The Build Together Inclusive Innovation Challenge has announced their winners. The challenge asks innovators to solve accessibility issues with hardware and software. There are a couple different categories, swimming, travel, gaming. The competition caught Marco Pasqua's attention. Marco is the co-founder of Meaningful Access Consulting. Hey, good morning, Marco. Good morning, Dave. Marco you've worked on competitions like this before you didn't work on this one but I think to start broadly is a good spot here why do you think competitions like this are important why do they matter
1: well they they encourage you know innovation across uh, across the world really and I think you know, the more that we're seeing people delve into, you know, things like gaming, you know, gaming I think was the catalyst. It was the starting point for people because it could make sense about making adaptive controllers and things like this, but now expanding this into things that we do for recreation and quality of life, like swimming and other components and just navigating our community, um, I think is really, really important. It also challenges people potentially who are outside of the space of the disability community to think differently and to understand how barriers in our communities can really make an impact. And I'm starting to see that from uh, innovators uh, you know, as young as individuals in college age and younger, uh, all the way up to individuals who've seen accessibility changes over the years and want to be part of that change.
0: You know, Marco, to me, that's part of the evolution here inside the last 10 to 15 years. You and I have talked about universal design a ton in these segments. Mm -hmm. Thea Curdy and I used to talk about it all the time, about some of the work Mm -hmm. that she was doing in the architecture world, trying to get to standards of universal design, but also yes. trying to influence the minds of young innovators, getting into engineering schools and architecture schools and getting people to consider disability. To me, that's the evolution, that in the last 10 to 15 years, yep. it's not just a couple people with disabilities like you and me talking about this, it's a lot mm-hmm. of people realizing the prospects.
1: Well, and so many people are impacted by disability, whether they have a disability or not. So I think that people are starting to get it Finally, you know, universal design means they're not building for the disability community, they're building for everyone. So it's perfect that this competition is called the Build Together uh, Inclusive Innovation Challenge because that's exactly what it is. And not only that, but all of the blueprints, Dave, I'm not sure if you uh, recognize this on the website or anything like this, but all the blueprints, all of the software code that may be used on any of these innovations, it's all made public to everybody. So they're literally saying, hey, listen, let's get this out to the masses, and if you Want to rebuild this object or this item that i've created you can do it too and here's the blueprints
0: one of the things that i liked in the way the rules of the competition were set out is it said you can use any existing hardware or software and then then, mix it up however you like to figure out how to solve a challenge and that 's one of the reasons why a lot of the swimming innovations really jumped yes. off the page to me because there was stuff like hey here 's a simple set of goggles that has sensors built in here 's a flutter yep. a flutter kickboard that has sensors mm-hmm. built in and then I think about stuff like um, there 's like a drowning sensor that was also uh, one wow. of the finalists where it 's like you you put this on you and if you find yourself in distress and be, and find your yourself in a harmful situation, the sensor is going to either alert the lifeguards or someone around the pool to let you know that you're in a tricky spot. I, I, but I'm really struck in terms of the products that made a splash for me, thinking about a combination of the very basic and the very complex.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I actually don't know if you know this about me, Dave, but I was a competitive athlete in the BC Summer and Winter Games. And the reason why the swimming stuff stood out to me is that one year during the BC Games, I was actually waiting in my lane after completing, and a blind swimmer competition was happening next after mine. Now, one of the swimmers didn't know that I was in the lane, obviously, as he was a a blind swimmer. He dove into the lane that I was in, not realizing that I was still right there, uh, I didn't have time to warn him. He hit me, knocked me unconscious, oh, gosh. and I had to actually be rescued from my coaching team uh, You know, because I got knocked out. Uh, now, with innovations like this, where you could actually have a sensor that somebody is below the water or drowning, or or the grand prize winner, which was a beacon sensor, which warns swimmers who have a vision loss that they're three meters from the wall or three meters from the edge. Yeah, we've got some great graphics for those on AMI-tv right now. Um, it's, it's a really interesting thing. I've watched it. You can 3D print the casing and he's um, actually listed out the software that you need in order to make this happen. So this is why it struck me uh, literally when I saw this because I was like, how cool would it be to make sure that everybody knows where the parameters are um, and the boundaries within the swimming pool, but also for safety for everybody. So I was just really excited by this and how cool that you can actually recreate um, this innovation in your own home if you have the right tools. I
0: remember covering a a Paralympic Gala, this is almost eight years ago now, but one of the people being honored was one of the uh, innovators in the early days of blind swimming who developed what was called the tapping technique, where they used to use a pole to tap the swimmer, a long stick to tap the swimmer when they got close to the edge of the pool. How far we've come from just
1: using a long (laughs) stick to using sensors and 3D printing. Yeah, well, this goes to show you what can happen, right? I think the reason that this has happened, Dave, is because technology is changing every single day. With the advent of 3D printers, um, with new AI technology coming out every single day, we're going to see more and more of these things pop up, and no longer are they going to be niches for persons with disabilities, but for everyone to create communities which are more inclusive in general. And that's the part that excites me the most.
0: Marco, I think there's a sort of broader thought to wrap this up, because someone at home might be sitting there and saying swimming, gaming, travel, like, come on, guys, like, those aren't the real issues impacting people with disabilities. But if I were to sort of quibble with that criticism, I would say, but these are all quality of life things. And the quality of life and the disability experience, it's a spectrum.
1: Oh, 100%. And people with disabilities are no longer just fixed to their homes, um, you know, collecting paychecks in many cases, right? Uh, There's a lot of opportunity for people out there who want to have gainful employment, but also want to have a good time and live a great life and go on vacations and travel and do all of these things. And the more that we can have technology that can support us to do this, regardless of our disability, as you said, it is a spectrum, then more and more people can get out there and experience life and share those experiences. So for me, it really brings that sense of hope and the willingness to bring people together, but also family, because I'm a family man. I wanna be able to go on more vacations with my daughter. And the more that I can do that in a way where she doesn't see my disability, she just sees dad out there with her having a good time. If it's because of technology, that's fantastic.
0: Marco, let's wrap up on the weather conversation. And I'm sure again, <laughs> sure. the listener at home or the viewer at home is getting really cranky now. Dave, enough with the weather, enough with the weather. Well, spoiler alert, Alex Smythe is gonna have the weather story of the day in just about a, a minute, a minute or two here. But Marco, weather is the story. And you guys got it first out there on the West Coast in the Vancouver area. And you guys got some pretty significant snow. The lower mainland, people were slipping and sliding everywhere. It's still quite cold by Vancouver standards out there this morning. But I want to ask you this, Marco. This is the core question when we think about our friends in Regina and Calgary and Edmonton who are dealing with those minus 40 and minus 50 degree days. How many days in a row do you think you could tolerate a temperature around minus 50?
1: Well, listen, I've told you before, my wife can tell me how much snow has fallen by the amount of uh, swearing she hears coming out of my mouth in the morning when I look out the window. So I don't know, right? I I think as far as as a tolerance is concerned, I could handle maybe a week, week and a half. But honestly, it's tough. You know, when I had to wheel uh, around the community, even at minus 14 here in BC, that's a lot for for BC. And it's a different kind of temperature than it is in the east. And it was challenging, you know, making sure I had my gloves on because I have to have touch my hand rims on my chair as i'm wheeling um so yeah things like groceries things like just basic survival things I think would be really tough for a lot of people so hopefully we don't have to experience too many more of these things but we know uh, that these extremes uh, have come and gone and they'll probably come again so we gotta be more prepared Dave get get your stock ups get your apocalyptic uh, pantry <laughs> ready uh, for anything that happens right?
0: Well that's what the Torontonians are saying today oh it
1: feels like minus 15 outside it's the end of the world I
0: actually saw a oh woman uh, go jogging this morning right by me wearing like leggings and a sweater I was I was blown away I was impressed <laughs> (laughs) And discussed it all at once. Uh, Marco, thank you for this.
1: Uh, Thanks so much, Dave. We'll talk to you soon. That's Marco Pasqua.
0: He's the co founder of Meaningful Access Consulting. In 60 seconds, Alex Smythe will have the weather story of the day. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Rob Westgate with your morning business minutes.
2: Bay Street ended last week on a positive note while Wall Street ended lower. Toronto's S&P TSX gaining 72 points to close at 20,990, while in New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average slipped 118 points down to 37,593. The Nasdaq, it inched forward just over 2.5 points to 14,973. Asian markets were mixed this morning, with Japan's Nikkei finishing up 325 points at 35,902, while the Hang Seng in Hong Kong dipped 28 points to close at 16,216. Statistics Canada this Tuesday will have the December Consumer Price Index report and economists say it's likely to come in above November's 3.1%. And ahead of this month's World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, Oxfam International says the world could have its first trillionaire within a decade. The loony trading at 74.58 cents US. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Rob Westgate.
0: Thank you very much, Rob. So what you're saying is I have six years years to hit that uh, trillion mark. I'll do my best, I promise, Rob. I'll do my best. Let's bring in Alex Smythe for the weather story of the day. You know, Alex, I uh, don't need a trillion. I'll I'll settle for a billion. But in the meantime, uh, there are some big numbers flying around in the weather world yeah Dave so obviously you know the topic of the conversation has been around this weatherstorm I wanted to
3: dissect some of the the records or or uh, big big numbers from the weekend specifically in BC and Alberta so let's start over in BC because at Vancouver Airport a uh, wind chills reached minus 24 and that is the coldest they have been since 1968 and things in Victoria may were warmer but they still also had decade uh, long streaks broken so in Victoria Victoria was minus 6.6 degrees, that was the coldest high since 1972. Now for actual new records we look to the interior because in Sparwood it was minus 40 degrees minus 40.3 to be exact with set new records along with Penticton which set a new record at minus 27.6 degrees. Now you did mention in your first uh, segment about the energy so uh, the number came out on Friday Uh, BC Hydro announced that 11,300 megawatts of energy were used on that Friday when it was really cold. That's roughly the equivalent of enough power to uh, service 8.5 million homes under normal circumstances. So that was a record amount of energy. And also part of that was because they were supporting Alberta as well. Speaking of Alberta, new records in the uh, temperatures, minus 51.5 degrees was felt in Keg River, That's a new record. In Edmonton, as we had talked about before, it was the fourth coldest day ever recorded. So you had minus 45.8 degrees at nighttime and a daytime high of minus 34.4. So that was the day and the nighttime, both setting near records in Edmonton. Calgary, it was the coldest day in three decades with minus 30.4 as the high. So lots of big numbers, lots of records, near records, just to show the scale and the
0: impact of the storm this weekend. Alex, there was this great video that came out of Saskatchewan this morning of a woman freezing her tail off, using uh, uh, her, her ice scraper to get snow off the top of her car, screaming, this is why we don't have poisonous snakes, and I'm grateful. So this is why we uh, lack in poisonous snakes, and we are grateful. You know, we take our wins where we can find them. Alex, thank you for this. Yep, thank you, Dave. That's Alex Smythe with the weather story of the day. Coming up next, Good Grief is a new film on Netflix that stars Dan Levy. Amy Manty has the review. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV.